The entire team at Emsolation want to acknowledge that we are gathered on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We want to recognise that we are recording and telling our stories on the stolen land of our country's first storytellers. We wish to pay our respects to all Wurundjeri elders and ancestors and to extend that respect to any First Nations peoples who listen to Emsolation. We recognise Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people's continued connection to the land and waters of this country and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. Always was, always will be. Holy baby Jesus on a fluffy cloud wearing freshwater pearls because he's poor wept. And Michael Lucas. I work in a bakery. This is Emsolation. Maybe try like Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. You're in Emsolation. Well, hello there and welcome to Emsolation. My name is Em Rossiano. I'm a writer, a singer, a stand-up comedian, a maximalist power queen, a neurodivergent magic brain and a podcaster. And together with my best friend since I was 11, a screenwriter, Logie Award and Actor Award winner, Mr. Michael Lucas, I bring you this podcast every week. Hello! If you're wondering what shows has Mr. Michael Lucas been involved in, well, just a little, just a little situation called Offspring. Yeah, he is the person that killed Dr. Patrick. The newsreader is his big, is the one, the thing that he created and produced and, oh, God, it did so well. If you've watched it and you've loved it, Five Bedrooms, Michael Lucas has either come up with it or been involved. Hey, how are you? I come to you right now on the day of my 44th birthday. God, that feels so weird because in my mind... My parents are in their 40s still. <laughs> I feel I sit at about 35. That's how I feel. But here I am, 44. And so I thought what I wanted to do in the intro was tell you all four things I know at 44 for sure. Okay, here we go. Number one, drink more water, please. Water, unfortunately, is it, it really, Cindy Crawford was right. She was right. I get up every day, I have some electrolytes, I make sure I get my two litres and it's that simple. Whatever you're drinking right now, however much water you've had, double it. I know you magnificent dehydrated bitch, you've had the head. Are you sitting there going, I've had none. Have some water. Number two, make sure when you're saying yes to something, you're not saying no to yourself. And this has been a big one for me because I'm a people pleaser. But if someone asks you to perform a task or be a part of something and your immediate response isn't fuck yes then you can either buy yourself some time and say, hey, that sounds great, let me think about it. Or you can say, that sounds amazing, but I just don't have the bandwidth to deal with it. Can you let me know the next time you do something similar? Or you can just say no. But make sure you're not saying yes to them and no to yourself. Number three, if something feels off, it fucking is. It is. And you know this. Trust your intuition and your gut. As I've always said, if you have to go back and smell the chicken a second time, it's off. Uh, what number am I up to? Wait, I've done chicken. I've done, if you say no, I've done drink water. Oh God, ADHD, have I done four yet? No. What's the other one? Oh, number four. I think this is number four. <laughs> ADHD with a little bit of ASD and a sprinkling of OCD. Hey, it's me, ADHD, A-S-E-O-C-D. 
number four, take in all the love in your life, all the ways it shows up. We are so conditioned to focus on romantic love that sometimes we miss all the other stuff that's great and wonderful, the pets, the family members, the friends. Romantic love is in the be all and end all and you'll miss out on so much great stuff. So there are my four things I know for sure by 44. Drink more water. Don't say no to yourself and yes to someone else. If you think something's off, it is. And take in all the love in your life. There you go. Hey. Uh, hopefully that was helpful to some of you. I am slowly recovering from the events of the last week. Uh, if you're not sure what I'm talking about, I can't bring myself to kind of go back there without some extensive therapy. So just listen to last week's episode. I just really want to thank every single one of you who reached out or who sent messages of support. What, however, in I know so many of you made me feel seen and supported and it did not go unnoticed. And I, I just, the community that we have is extraordinary and so many other performers I know are envious of our community and, um, Truly, you were my lifeline last week. I'm getting a bit teary thinking about it. This episode, look, it does involve some erotic Harry Styles fan fiction because, of course, Michael and I, of course, attended his concert and then it was reported that two girls were tapped on the shoulder by Harry Styles' security and invited backstage. I needed to know what happens next, so I wrote it. Michael played the role of Harry. It is disturbing. Do not expect to be aroused in any way. We also discuss Michael being in Sydney during World Pride. We talk about Elio's drawings being chucked in the fire and the online response to that. So much to look forward to. Thank you very much for being here. Please sit back, relax and enjoy this week's edition of your favourite pod, M Selection. Play the music. Luciano and Michael Lucas. This is Emsolation. Michael Lucas. Oh, fuck, I'm not. Oh, no, wait, yep, no. Are you sorry, recording? Start again, start again. Oh, sorry, okay. Are you sure everything's oh. on? Yeah, I just want to be professional. <laughs> <laughs> your, your regrowth is hectic at this angle, by the way. I know. Well, you're looking straight up into it. Yeah, it's very top deck. Chocolate-esque. I reckon next haircut will all be gone. Oh. You warned of this stage. You were saying top deck right from the start. <laughs> Michael Lucas is here zooming in from Sydney yet again. Mm, from, the, from the centre of world pride. <laughs> Your accommodation must be costing a million dollars a night. It would be, I think. It is weird. Like, I'm yet to pass someone coming in and out of this hotel that isn't very obviously a, a gay couple <laughs> or thruple. <laughs> Or quintuple. Hi, gay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go straight into it. World Pride is happening. Everything's happening. Sydney, I think in one spate, have had Ed Sheeran. They're going to have Harry Styles. They've mm. got World Pride. Backstreet Boys. Uh, I mean, that's generous of you. 
to... No, well, no, because, like, they were doing, like, the government was putting out, OK, Sydney Siders, we need to sort out the traffic because this is going to be hectic, mm. yes, and World Pride, the mm. huge influx of business uh, visitors and the parade mm. just went on and on and on. Mardi Gras obviously occurred over the weekend and I am new to the information that it is long thought that the death of Judy Garland was the spark, was the catalyst to the uprising at Stonewall. Total, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Totally. <sighs> it was the day of her funeral. Yes. Uh, the, 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 so Stonewall, the Stonewall uprising was when the police cracked down, as they tended to do, only this time mm. something was different. Mm. And those clientele decided they weren't going to take it anymore. They were mad as hell. And people will often speculate, why was it that that night was a tipping point? And it was Judy Garland, mm. famously beloved but also quite tragic entertainer. It was her funeral that day. And so the gays had gathered. And I, I get it. If that is the fact, like some people go, oh, that's a tenuous reason for it to happen. No, I don't think so. Wait. I feel like some things are fucking sacred and you do not want to get between a gay man commemorating his favourite diva on the evening of her funeral. Oh, fucking oath. I just imagine some magnificent gay man just said, that's it. I can take no more. Totally. (laughs) Oh, we wouldn't even need a full police intervention. If, God forbid, Hail Mary, Mother Madonna died and had a funeral, I mean, I think she'll live forever, but let's just say she does one day and you and I are drinking and it doesn't even require a police intervention. Even if someone came up and said, was her face a bit weird towards the end? We would. There'd be violence. Fucking throw down. I'll square up. Throw down. (laughs) What did you say? Say that again to my face is what I would say. I would go full Roberta Williams on them. I just, when I found this information out, I said that is so on brand. It's so, like, it's such an incredible fact. I don't want to know if it's not true because it has to be. So therefore it is. It has a truth about it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Even if it's bullshit, it feels true. Yes. And it feels like I've felt that feeling. Mm. Like when someone dares to in some way impugn or interrupt what should be a sacred moment for a particular diva, it requires mm. a strong response. Absolutely. Now, I feel like Mardi Gras World Pride nailed it. I feel like every award ceremony moving forward needs to hire whomever did the World Pride concert and just let them loose on the Logies, on the... It was... It was... It Flawless. was... Ah! So many highlights. And Casey Donovan singing Make You Feel My Love, one of your favourites. Totally. And the Minogue sisters. Like, I had to do welfare, welfare checks on several gay men because one Minogue, but then the second appears... Well, There was so much. Kylie really knew what she was doing. Also the curator playlist. Yes, she played the iconic hits, but she also picked a couple of songs that are particular gay favourites that never quite hit it anywhere else. So that was already, you know, that was already right up there. And then to bring out as your surprise guest, Danny. It was so great because, you know, Your Disco Needs You is the song I want my casket carried out to at my funeral. Wow. So okay. As, as, I will as, do my best to yes. make that a reality should I be around at the time <laughs> I if I don't go first. I think we all know I'll be going first. Uh, I just love the idea of all the ceremony ending and it'll be a beautiful, colourful day and there'll be all sorts of things going on. There'll be drag acts and then the final thing will just be your disco, da-da-da, and it'll just be like a, a nice... I don't, I'm not a massive fan of Kylie. I respect her. I respect what she does. 
But that song has always just, as soon as I heard it, the first thing I thought was funeral song. I don't, I can't explain why. Can't explain why. I know. What about other World Pride highlights for you? I, honestly, on that concert, Courtney Act did a musical-inspired history of gayness and I just thought it was hilarious and fantastic the whole way through and full credit to Courtney who sang her heart out the whole mm. time and danced like a mm. maniac and it was just brilliant. So, I, I mean, that was another particular highlight for me. And then, you know, and obviously, you know, the parade itself and mm. all those sort of things. The only thing for me is, weirdly, I just really like that we call it Mardi Gras. And I know it's World Pride, but Pride is like an American construct. And I feel like we've had Mardi Gras since <laughs> the 70s. It's our thing. I just want to stick with that phrase. Not that it's in any danger of going away. That's the only thing. But I can confess, walking around in Sydney, like, the level of rainbow decoration is insane. Like, it, rainbows are everywhere. You can't go to a foyer, you can't cross a street crossing without seeing rainbows. And the sheer quantity of very visibly gay men and women everywhere is really a sight to behold. It's incredible. Like, it's, there's, there's, mm. there, is a, there is a very distinct, very queer, very camp energy that is permeating <laughs> everything. And I know that people are complaining that it's a bit corporate and that there's a little bit too much, you know, mm. there's a little bit too much of American Express and stuff like that. But I still think it doesn't matter. When you see, like, a 57-year-old gay man with dyed rainbow-coloured hair wandering <laughs> around with hot pants... It's just, it's still got its soul. I love it so much. All right, well, staying in the arena, you and I, well, we had two outings on the weekend. I know. Both involving camp men in sequence, I have to say, and straight camp men in sequence as well. On the opening of World Pride, we literally went to see the world's most prominent queer baiter. But as I said, (laughs) I like to be baited. (laughs) But... After seeing Harry Styles in the flesh in Melbourne on Friday night, you and I can confidently say that is a straight man. Look, one never likes to speculate no, on not someone about else's sexuality. No. But if one were to do that for one second, <laughs> yeah, I did get a depressingly straight vibe, I have to say, in our very intimate uh, contact that we had over an hour and a half with him with 60,000 other Melburnians. Mm. Yeah, I must admit, I like he likes a wiggle and he likes a sequin. But I did feel this kind of alkaline straightness coming out. (laughs) (laughs) And the thing is... Maybe it was just exhaustion. (laughs) No, no, I feel... No. And the crowd were lovely. They were such a gentle, you know, it was a community and there was lots of feather boas and and cowgirl hats and just a a lovely scent of, you know, impulse merrily musk or whatever the 2023 equivalent is, dewberry from the body shop. But it was a very joyous light. But you said Elton John's crowd with a polar opposite. Uh, Totally. I want to really pay tribute to Harry's crowd because a few weeks earlier I took my mother to see Elton John Mm. Um, and Elton... It was a very boomer-heavy crowd and, again, we don't want to draw conclusions about or generalisations about the boomers, but if we were to... Those people wear elasticated pants and zip-up shoes. They have given up and they are there to drink. They they were drinking a ridiculous amount. They were really impatient. They were really graceless waiting in lines (laughs) and they talked so loudly throughout the whole show. Like, you could barely hear anything because they were talking so loudly and they were yelling to be over the top of Elton! Of the Grammy-winning icon that is Elton John and his farewell tour. And they were probably, like, filming on iPads because, you know, boomers. There is this 
this impression that, you know, Gen Z are all addicted to social media. You should see a boomer at an Elton John concert. <laughs> they really, really want to record it. And they're there and, of course, it's all like the text is all zoomed in on their phone for their eyesight <laughs> and everything like that. Anyway, it, you really had to phase out the crowd. But Harry, mm. the crowd was part of the whole experience. They were, they were, they were so respectful. Everything was so as excited and hormonal as everyone was, oh, yeah. there was a sense of not pushing, being graceful, being patient. We're all in this together. And just like, I mean, the the last song that he played before he came out and did his set, uh, like an over the PA system recorded song, was Bohemian Rhapsody. And they belted, it was like the entire stadium did a perfect sing-along with complete respect. And I, I just, I, I'm going to go so far as to say it made me optimistic for the future because if that is the example of the youth of today, then we're going to a better place. We really are. It was kind. They were kindness. There was kindness everywhere. I agree. And also a lot of mums there, a lot of, you know, two generations loving him equally and in different ways and a lot of dads were there and the whole... And here's the moment he exploded out on stage. Have a listen. I looked across at Marcella and Odette, my daughters, and there was tears streaming down Cella's face. Odie was screaming. And I remember that feeling. I remember having that feeling with Madonna, with John Farnham. I remember seeing the person you've, you know, researched and studied and idolised for years and years and years and they're finally there in the flesh and breathing the same air as you. And Mm. I was just so glad that my girls got to have that because I was worried they wouldn't because I was worried everything would be shut down until, you know, they lost that joy that you have when you're that young and then you turn into, you know, people like us. And so (laughs) we still have joy. But it was just, oh, it was magic. And so for me that was the highlight of the concert, watching my girls watch Harry. Totally. And also... You know, I, of course, feel that for us, Madonna was giving some us and indeed the world something they really needed at mm. that particular point in time. And even though, obviously, I'm disappointed in some ways that I did not feel ravenous homosexuality leaking out of him, <laughs> I still feel <laughs> that he is the energy that he has and the sort of kind... Like, it's literally one of the most popular songs was Treat People With Kindness. I yes. Mean, and there's something about the energy that he had and the exuberance and just, like, he is kind of like the inverse of toxic masculinity and it kind of makes me happy that he's the icon of the time. I feel like we need that energy. And then whatever the energy was in that stadium, we just need it to, like, permeate mm. out to the rest of the world because yeah, it was great. there really was this... He's created a feeling of togetherness. And, yes. and also it's kind of amazing that this he's already playing stadiums. Like, I think there was a feeling that in the modern world with everyone being all split off in their digital little realms, it's hard for an artist to so quickly get so big that they're literally selling out stadiums. But mm. he, he, he's done it multiple times. In Sydney, he's playing the fucking Olympic Park. Mm. It's wild. Mm. And Ed Sheeran played there too, actually. I know. So I just... The thing is, he's also been... He's just the man of the people, Ari. He was spotted at Ari. a... Collingwood Cafe, uh, having a coffee. Yes. Yep. Johnny Leary was there. At one of his concerts, he helped a man propose. At the, our concert, he helped a woman come out. Some may, may perhaps suspect these are preordained situations and not just happening in the moment, but let's not ruin it. He popped on a Bunnings cap. He did. There's one situation that has captured my entire everything. Um, just spotted a little little article on pedestrian Harry at and I'm I don't know if it was our show or the Saturday night show. 
Harry sent his security into the crowd when the concert finished and two young women were asked to hang out with him after the show. And what? I mean... Good for her. Far out and... Good for her. That (laughs) is the stuff... Of dreams. Fuck me. It's, it's, it's insanity. And this was broken, of course, on Dumois, like the Bible. They broke it in LA before Australia. So nothing has been, we can't find the girls yet. Don't worry, TikTok's on it. These, these women's, like their, their Centrelink numbers will be published within 48 hours. The stylers are on it. (laughs) Because everyone's like, what do they look like? What's his type? Because just days before the Daily Mail printed an article saying that he's moved on, that he has a new love, but he's keeping it on the DL out of respect to Olivia. And now these two girls have been asked backstage. They have not said anything because I dare say perhaps an NDA was slid under their noses, but the girls around them have not had to sign such an NDA. So there are videos on TikTok describing the moment these two were tapped on the shoulder by security and uh, escorted backstage. Wow, riveting. Uh, uh, no, I'm, I'm waiting. Their, their identities will most certainly be revealed. But that is... Yeah. That kind of behaviour, like, let's just... How do we feel? <laughs> it's pretty old. Like, the weird thing about that is it does feel like old-school rock concert for that yeah. to, ha- to happen. Yeah. I mean, I'm conflicted between, on one hand, putting myself in the position of, can you imagine oh how my God. electrifying it would be? Oh, my God. That's all I can think about. And maybe they just went backstage... Maybe it was, like, someone he knew or maybe they just went, you know, to, like, have tea and shit. I don't know. So we're not saying anything happened, but, I mean, one would imagine, perhaps one would imagine so hard that one would have to, like, frantically type out a fan fiction about what would have happened. <laughs> I don't know what you're referring to, Em. Look, did you find yourself so overcome by this situation that you just had to pour your imaginings onto the page? I did. I... <laughs> I saw this story just before you and I were due to connect and all of a sudden, like I imagine Ernest Hemingway must have felt. It's very similar when, for when he was writing For Whom the Bell Tolls. Yeah. But sometimes sometimes the story just happens and you're just the conduit, you're just the vessel. But it just flows from your fingertips. Yes. I've heard Tony Morrison say the same thing. Okay. <laughs> and what's flowed, what's flowed out of your fingertips, pray tell? Well, I have sent you a copy of the fan fiction that I have written. Now, this is fan fiction. I'm not saying this happened. This is just me imagining what could have been. We're going to pick it up from the moment the concert ends. Now, Michael, you will be playing the role of the security guard and you'll be playing the role of Harry. Is the security guard what nationality? Australian? Or... Yeah, Bogan Australian. Okay. And Harry is, of course... Works in a bakery. Yep. So I will be playing the role of narrator and of the two women. Only one of the women speaks. Okay, here we go. And scene. Have you got the script there? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Lily and I screamed and grabbed onto each other as Harry finished his final song, Kiwi. He's super hot dancing and non-stop hip grinding to the beat guaranteed my vibe would be getting a proper workout tonight. Shit, I remembered to charge it. We stood shiny-eyed and watched as Harry's band left the stage. I sighed, feeling utterly complete. I'd been waiting for this concert for five long years. Lily and I began to gather up our things. I looked around and properly took in my surroundings. 
and there were fucking chicken feathers everywhere. It was like a brutal yet fabulous Muppet massacre. I did one last check to make sure we had all our stuff and turned and walked straight into a mountain made of impossibly hard flesh. Ladies, would you mind coming with me, please? The enormous burly slab of a man said. Fuck, were we in trouble? I knew I shouldn't have flashed my tits. Lily starts to whimper. She's not good in a fight, but I am. And what exactly were I, why would we... <laughs> Come on. Okay. And why exactly would we do that? Have we committed a crime? As if either of us are coming with you, budget Vin Diesel. The man rolled his eyes and showed us the pass hanging around his neck. It said AAA security. How about you calm your tits, love? Such typecasting this is. Harry has requested that you and Teary Test over there meet him backstage. Unless that's something you're not interested in. I tried to convince my brain that what my ears had taken in couldn't possibly be correct. There's no way we'd just been invited backstage to meet Harry Styles. That shit doesn't happen in real life, does it? Not to us, anyway. I, I don't believe you, I shouted. How do we know you're not attempting to kidnap us and sell our vital organs on the black market? The security guard looked annoyed, but instead of replying, he just pointed back to the stage and said, Walk over behind the drum kit. <laughs> Lily and I immediately complied and saw Harry waving back at us, that trademark cheeky side grin on full display. My legs suddenly became uncooked spaghetti. Oh shit. I quickly turned and faced Lily. She's crying again, but for a different reason. Her head nodding, unable to form a sentence, tears of joy streaming down her face. Lily, are we doing this? We're doing this, right? Holy baby Jesus on a fluffy cloud wearing freshwater pearls because he's poor wept. We're fucking doing this. <coughs> so I guess we're doing this? The belly man laughed. Yes, I say like an excited, brave and horny soldier, <laughs> agreeing to be the first to run out on the front line. We're doing this. We're led through a series of corridors backstage at Marvel Stadium. I start to smell patchouli incense and expensive scented candles <laughs> that smell like cigars and leather. I hear a familiar voice. <laughs> You're Harry that now. Qua- <laughs> <laughs> really that crowd was incredible tonight. <laughs> Wait, I work in a bakery. <laughs> that crowd was incredible tonight. Best yet, <laughs> Melbourne people are the best audience. You can tell they're smarter and cooler than anywhere else. I should probably move here. <laughs> it's Harry fucking Styles. I reach for Lily's hand and she grabs onto mine with a vice-like grip. The security guard points to the door where I'd heard Harry's voice come from and we walk over and knock. Come in. I open the door and Harry's dressing room is before me. Imagine what the inside of Beyonce's womb probably looks like. Are you picturing the inside of a really expensive genie bottle, lots of velvet and tassels and a huge swing and a mini tramp and some leather capes hanging on hooks shaped like nipples? There's an Evian fountain with ducklings frolicking in it and two massage tables set up with two equally hot Scandinavian masseuses. Hello. Come in, girls, make yourselves at home. You must be hot and sweaty from all that dancing. I have an entire wardrobe full of Gucci in just your size if you'd like to partake in a best friend's makeover montage before I choose which of you I want to make my wife. <laughs> Insert makeover montage. Makeover montage. Come on, 
I suddenly feel her hand slip from mine and I watch as she passes out on the floor between Harry and I. That's an impressive entrance, jokes Harry. He gestures to the Swedish masseurs slash models and they come over and whisk Lily away. She'll be fine, Harry reassures me. What's your name? He asks me as he starts taking his shirt off. I was watching you all night. Could, what the fuck? <laughs> I couldn't keep my... I couldn't keep my eyes off you. It's the first time I've been able to sing those songs without feeling sad. I'm so ochre because I was singing them to you. Oh, that's so nice. My name is Louisa. He walks toward me in just his red high-waisted pants. The giant butterfly tattoo on his chest is still glistening with sweat. <laughs> I'm not sure where to look, so I pick his belly button, which I instantly regret because it flat out looks like my eyes have made a beeline for his cock. Shit, because I said cock in my head, my eyes couldn't help but steal a quick look and he saw me do it. Louisa. Do I have your consent to take my pants off and gently, <laughs> gently run my fingertips down maybe, the length of your entire... Maybe try, like, Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins. Maybe go... Like, Mary Poppins! Yeah, maybe try that. Yeah, OK, go Do back. Do I have your consent to take my pants off and <laughs> gently run my fingertips down the length of your entire body? <laughs> As I go, and I also intend to remove your clothes and gently kiss the spots left naked by my undressing. Of course he knows how important consent is. What a guy! Yes, I reply. Yes, I think that would be something I would like very much. Harry leans in and kisses my neck. He smells like fresh laundry and warm bread and cinnamon. I feel a ripple of light run up my spine. He removes my feather boa from my neck and gets a chicken feather caught in his throat. He starts coughing and security <laughs> rush in. <laughs> I'm OK. Stand down, men. Harry salutes them and then they exit the room. He recovers quickly and walks back over. Now, where were we? I smile and point to my neck. We lock eyes and it's electrifying. Neither of us look away or blink as he removes my mesh, singlet and push-up bra. I'm now naked from the waist up, but I don't care. I can't look away. I don't want to break the spell. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> there they are. I remember those. He puts his arm around my waist and runs his finger down my jawline. He then scoops me up in one motion and carries me to the circular bed in the corner of the dressing room. He puts me down gently and I slowly remove my skirt. He begins to remove his pants and as I steal another look at his hard manhood, he whispers, <laughs> I work in a bakery. <laughs> Thin. Oh, beautiful. You know what I love about that is... It's revealed <laughs> that you really do read fan fiction. And maybe you. a lot. I write it. <laughs> well, write it and read it. I mean, you just feel very familiar with the form. Oh, well done. Thank it you. It was beautiful. Well. And I'm just going to say, actually, it shows admirable restraint from you that I did not expect. Yeah. I thought we'd be, yeah, I thought the butter butterfly tattoo would be really taking us somewhere. Yeah, no. You, well done. You kept it really classy. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tell you what. If, <sighs> if I don't know what network need what network is going to offer the three quarters of a million dollars to those girls to tell their story, but I will watch. I just want any network executives to know that we will tune in to that tell-all interview. Yes, and I want to hear, and who was having that? Conversation. <laughs> what? <laughs> I just want people to appreciate my total lack of self-consciousness about handing over a script I wrote in five minutes to arguably Australia's foremost and respected and revered scriptwriter and screenwriter in this country. I just want everyone to know I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Look, all I can say is you've made me sing. Because I want it that way.
And I think you've come off a lot better in this situation than my comparative efforts. Thank so, you so well much. done. Thank you so much. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. Before you go, I've caused another online furor. <laughs> That's a joke. It's nothing like last week, which I still it's can't not a talk traumatic. about. No, I still can't talk about without crying. I innocently posted a video of my son discovering because he went to put some paper in the fire, in the wood fire that we have. And mm. obviously, it's been stinking hot in Melbourne. So we put all our kind of fire in there to start the next fire when winter comes. So there's a whole bunch of stuff in there that I've been kind of squirreling away for the last few weeks. And he opened the door and then some of his old drawings kind of lurched out at him. Mm. And he was, I mean, have a listen. You put my drawings in the fire. What happened? You put my drawings in the fire. No, I didn't. Look. What? Someone, did someone put your drawings in the fire? Yeah. That is rude. Who do you think did it? I don't know. So I just thought that parents everywhere agreed that if the drawings are shit, like Elio would do, I mean, he's a prolific artist. He would do 50 drawings a day, okay? And, and, and I know that your love is blind and obviously full love for everything he does, but what is the artistic merit of these drawings? Are they sort of lavished upon for hours? No. Sometimes he'll go up and he'll be talking to me and, like, while he's talking to me, flap his hand around with a Sharpie and do one line and then demand to get put on the fridge. Didn't even give the bit of paper the courtesy of eye contact. Sometimes misses it all together and just gets it on the couch. And the standard is shit. I'll get one fridge-worthy drawing a week, maybe. And even then, that's 52 weeks in a year. My fridge ain't big enough for 52 bits of artwork. So do you know what? A lot of it goes in the fucking fire. It's Because I can't put it in the bin because you'll see it. Like you've got to... But I just didn't think about the fire. I thought fire. He never goes near the fire, but it's in the off-season. So now I've got all these, like, the majority of people are like, oh, thank God, this is something I've been hanging on to for years, the guilt, the shame, I too destroy my children's shit artwork. And I didn't realise this isn't just like a done given thing. But apparently I've unleashed this great wall of just pent-up trauma about doing it. Uh I support it. If it had been some sort of beautiful multimedia, like some watercolour with some pasted things, it was a real artistic statement and an insight to where Elio was at, but no. I mean, from what I could see, <laughs> they were more accurately... I mean, it's a fine line between art and just a scribble. Yeah. And I felt like those ones were too close to it. I have a similar thing about cards and, like, birthday cards, Christmas cards, things like that. I just want to say... I, I only keep your yours. Yeah. Yes, they're very, because they're very, thought has gone in. There's been a selection process and it's a snapshot of time. We always, we, it's like we know we're going to keep it. Yep. So we sum up the year yep. in a sort of witty, quippy way always. and put it all together and everything like yep. that. But then the difficult thing is when there's a little bit of a note, but not much. I mean, are you really going to look back on it? Do you keep it? Is it wrong to recycle a card? No, it's not. If it's a high quality effort card, like, there are certain people... Like, I kept all my grandmother's cards because she always used to write me the most hilariously savage messages about all the things I'd done that she questions, and I loved it. So I kept hers, and I keep all the kids' ones because Odie always does an art piece of art in it every year since she could draw. I'll be, I'll, I just want to let you know right now, thank God Elio doesn't listen to the podcast, I barely throw out any of... Odie's art has always been really good. So from the moment she was probably about five... 
I pretty much kept everything because this kid is going to be a very famous artist one day. So not much, many of Odie's things got tossed now I think about it. So as an artist, Odie is superior to Elio at the same age if I am to compare. He has strengths in other areas. He knows way more about dinosaurs than Odie ever will. Mm. But in terms of the art, Elio has a ways to go uh, if he wishes to, you know, battle in the arena with his sister. Uh, but no, cards are fine. <laughs> I'm weird about throwing this out... Is, this seems like the Roy family from Succession, only about just shit art. <laughs> <laughs> You're playing off your children. Yeah, sure. I mean, as we all know, and I've said this on stage, I invite my children to compete for mum's favourite. I invite them. I Tell keeps me... Keeps them hungry, Yeah, what do you strong. got? It is the Hunger Games. It's the Thunderdome. What do you got? What do you, what's your best? Because, the, the as we know, the favourite child crown... And any given day, it can be flipped can to hundred percent. It's not set in stone, and we all know kids have favourite parents. So you know, and that shifts hmm. daily too. So obviously, not in my family. Your your uh, look. I'm going to say that uh, your kids are pretty validated. I'm going to say <laughs> they are not. No. The footprints that they leave on this earth are noticed yeah. by you. Yeah. And yeah. Absolutely. I'm I'm not at all worried. Yeah. Never forget my eldest child screaming at me from downstairs after watching Apollo Creed. I'll never be a champion at anything because you loved me too much. So. Yeah. A, hilarious. Also, there's a ring of truth. Because <laughs> we, you know, had the blessing slash curse... Boomers. ...of a 1980s... Parenting. ...parenting, mm. you know. I mean, I, I have to say that I had a very different situation with my mother and my father in terms of interest levels. So I, my mother was very much more akin to you. Yeah. Um, not so much my father. And, yeah, so I've been blessed with a kind of, like, I feel like I was loved enough to feel confident, <laughs> but also I, I also have that yearning, yeah. like, yeah. I will never be good enough. Yeah. You, I feel like, have, are blessed with a strong sense of I will never be good enough. Yeah, I mean, I was certainly loved, but I also had a mother who was, you know, that generation of women who went to work full-time. She was also studying for her degree. My dad was working in a band and at a factory, like, and we wrote, like we were left our own devices a lot of the time, 80s parenting. So it was like to get mum and dad's attention because they were so busy, I had to fucking achieve it, everything, whereas my girls would like fart and Scott and I would be like, oh, my God, that is the, the, the timbre, the tone on that fart is just top shelf, babes. I, I'm grateful for I remember weirdly one time I ended up singing a, almost a part of a solo in a house music song. Why? How did I get it? Who knows? Maybe because probably because I was the only boy in the whole house that would sing. <laughs> anyway, and it was Blame It On The Boogie. Um, and I knew it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. And I remember afterwards, cool. like, I kind of had that vibe of, I think I was really off, 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 like bad, like even I could hear it. And then I just remember seeing my mum walk towards me. I could see the expression on her face. <laughs> and she came up and she just went, flat, 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 flat. <laughs> and, um, but I'm glad <laughs> because I did need someone to say musical, a musical future is not going to be your future. It's just not. Just stop now. Find your other talent. And I did, and I'm happy. And here yeah. I am. It's good that I knew early. Yeah, look, if she'd like, if she'd been <laughs> loving and caring and lied. wonderful. And yeah. yeah. I mean, what where who would I be? Yeah. Look, I don't lie to my kids. If they do something subpar, I just say, not your best. Fine, but not your best. But also your mother is famously savage and telling that your best friend and a lot of the women that you are closest to are also quite savage. So you're comfortable <laughs> in that realm. All right, uh, that's it for us this week. I'll uh, see you. Are you back? Are we together again? No. Next week we're doing an International Women's Day special, so uh, we'll be together again in two weeks. Yes, how exciting. Mm.
All right. What will I wear? <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have said that. Why did I say that? Yes, indeed. What will you wear? I can't wait to see. What a hook. I can't wait to see. And also, yes, it, everyone will be listening to this when Em and I are the same age of 44, which is very exciting. <sighs> Brief yes. little window of seven months or whatever it is when we're both 44. <laughs> Shut up. It's a gaping one. But I, there's, know. I know that there's some surprises coming to you. Oh, Oh, God. Okay. Mm, I'm excited. Oh, and that just made me want to vomit. All right. No, I love no, surprises. they're all very positive. Okay, great. All right. Uh, <laughs> bye. Bye. This is Emsolation. All right, gang, that's it. I'm so sorry if I've ruined Harry Styles for you forever. If Dick Van Dyke is not a sex symbol, it... look, he did his best. I think it was entertaining. The <laughs> I certainly only put 10 minutes into it. But, you know, I do love writing me some fan fiction. You'll never find it online. You can look all you want. But let's just say when I was going through my separation with Scott and I started watching Twilight, there is quite a bit around uh, under my secret pen name. (laughs) Make sure you check out the video of the Harry Styles fan fiction reading at our Instagram, at Emsolation Podcast. Make sure you're following us on Spotify, please, and you can hit the bell so you get notified when we drop an episode or a secret episode or whatever. You know, who knows what's going to happen week to week with us. Next week, we have a very special treat for International Women's Day. I'm not going to give away too much, but next week you'll be hearing Melissa Leong, Virginia Gay, Jamila Rizvi. Oh, gosh. Santilla Chingayepe. It's a smorgasbord of female excellence because, you know, this is what we're about here. So you'll enjoy that and then Michael and I will be back as usual the week after. But don't miss the International Women's Day special. You're going to walk away feeling pretty powerful, I have to say to you. As always, I love you. I see you. Thank you for being here. And we'll chat soon. Bye. M Salation with M Rossiano is a Spotify exclusive podcast recorded at Down the Hill Studios, hosted by M Rossiano with Michael Lucas and sometimes her eldest daughter, Marcella. Executive produced by Benjamin Wosley. Produced by M Rossiano. Edited by Ezekiel Fenn. With videos by James Henderson. Socials by Marcella Rossiano Barrow. With assistance from Jem Evans. Plus cameos from M's dad. Vincy. Get the full Emsolation experience by following us on Instagram at Emsolation Podcast. You can also sign up for our weekly newsletter. Join other Emsolators at the Emsolation Group on Facebook. The answer is Harry Styles. If you really want to help us out, you could become a patron of Emsolation. Share this podcast with a friend. Give us a five-star rating and make sure you're following us on the Spotify app by actually hitting the follow button. As always, thanks for listening and we're excited excited to chat with you again soon.